Oh my god, what's up, party people? Welcome to a very special winter episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter. I mean, maybe? Psh, who knows? Um, also, at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, if you are so inclined. Um, yeah. We're gonna probably do the next, like, actual season when we get back in January, but now that I'm out for the semester and everything has calmed down for a bit. I decided to read a winter, like a random one off. Okay. We're going to talk about the digests. I think that we have, I've probably touched on them before, but anyway, it's been a rough year. Let's just go ahead and talk about them again. Um, so this one that we're talking about today is number 175 in the digest. So, uh, the original Nancy Drew books, one through 56 were first published by Grosset and Dunlop. And then after they were Mm, yeah. And then after they were finished being published, uh, they decided to move into paperbacks. So that means that most of the original 56 are not in American paperback. Um, they're in paperback in other countries. But after that, they decided, okay, we're just not going to do hardbacks. We're just going to, well, well, they did some hardbacks, actually. You can find some like old vintage, like first edition, early edition of the older, the digest. But for the most part, uh, they were released in paperback. The it's like mass market, so it's um like thin paper, just like a a cheap book. But and again, like the Nancy Drew books have never been like oh my god for fancy people. So um this one was published in two thousand three. This one is called Werewolf in a Winter Wonderland. Okay, so a few things about the digest again. Um. These are the target audience is ages like eight to twelve, so that means that we're not as advanced as the files. And the digests were also being published around the time that I was reading Nancy Drew books when they were coming out new. Um, which usually whenever you're a collector, like those are the ones that you're like, yes, these are this is my jam, these are mine. But my thing was that like I was so into the files, which are more adult, that I was like, uh oh, I mean it's fine. And I'm going to run into a lot of that with this book because I there are a few of the digests that I actually like, and I'm probably going to do some as one-offs, so I'm probably going to do um, Flying Saucer Mystery because it's just bonkers as shit, and I'm probably going to do Captive Witness for a few reasons, Megan, and also because I really liked that one when it came out because it was different from the rest of them. Also, probably Bluebeard Room because of the fucking cocaine references, like... Just throw me in a fire. Um, I'm I'm probably gonna throw that book. I'm probably gonna throw that book. You know me. You know how I jam. And it's anyway. On the one hand, I'm like cocaine and an Nancy Drew book. It's it's more likely than you think. But on the other hand, I'm like, what the fuck? It's the Wild West for ghostwriters, is what I'm sensing. Um. So anyway. So the thing is that because it's meant for a younger age group than the files, like Nancy and Ned, like Ned is in this book. And I think that's probably why I bought it. I probably flipped through and was like, okay, Ned appears. It's fine. I will, I will put this in my cart. Let's go. But, um, they don't ever kiss. It's as though like maybe she's in witness protection and he's actually her marshal who was there to protect her and no romance is yet developed for reasons. Um, also, the ghostwriter, like, makes some basic character mistakes, and I was like, okay, cool, so this feels like fanfic written by somebody who was, like, deeply into werewolves, um, sure, but not, not sexy into werewolves, just, like, into werewolves as a concept. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get into it. Um, 
the first few things about this book that utterly blew my mind. Um, the first page, it opens with like, Nancy's in her car on her way to go pick up. I think that she picks up Bess first and they're going to pick up George maybe anyway. So of course it's like the exposition part of the background information. Nancy, of course, being blonde, just everybody loves her. She's the best. Um, Bess, who has wavy hair that is lighter than Nancy's and doesn't look a thing like her cousin who has like brown straight hair. And I was like, Oh, okay. Sure. You know, that's fine. That's a fine descriptor for George. No, no problems there. It's fine. Um, also getting the basic established genders correct. That's fine. Um, George is sporty and enjoys sport things and Bess is not sporty and not into sport things. But the book puts us into this weird Hallmark parallel universe where Nancy and her friends are going to find out what jobs they've been assigned at the ice carnival. Was that the name of it? Maybe. Um, I I don't fucking know. Fuck. Also, this is like most of the carnival, most of the shit around here where I live where it's like a yearly event. It's like a day. Um, Like really, to be more honest, like three hours of a day and you gather in one location and you do some shit and there's some funnel cakes and then you go home um and this one it's like an ice carnival for a fucking week bitch for a fucking week and they have to go get jobs and it's like it's not even said like oh i'm so excited to volunteer for the ice carnival it's like we have to go find out what jobs we've been assigned and it's like okay i feel like that in a previous book, y'all were assigned community service for doing some shit you shouldn't have done, like maybe breaking into an abandoned building and then that shit burned down and you had no proof that you were not the ones responsible. So now they're like, okay, community service, bitches. Because it's given that vibe. They're like, it'll be fine. And also Ned's going to be there having various random jobs. Um, Sure, because in this book, Ned is the guy back home who you're going to fall for by the end of this book, y'all. Um, except for, of course, because this is a Nancy Drew digest. Um, they're going to just not even exchange long and glances. It's going to be like, we've had a fine business partnership. Here's a fruit basket. Um. So they're like, yeah, Ned's going to be there. Yeah, that's going to be great because Ned is my boyfriend. And then it's like absolutely no emotions attached to any of this. It's like Nancy bot. For those of you, the one of you that I'm aware of, who is like, so these are Scooby-Doo mysteries. You're not wrong for this book. Like, yeah, Ned is definitely giving Fred for this. Um, Nancy, is Nancy giving Daphne? A bit. She's giving a bit of Daphne, a bit of Daphne and a bit of Velma. Um, that we don't have a Scooby, we don't have a Shaggy. It's fine. It's just like they're they're in that van and they're gonna go solve some mysteries. And also because again, if you've read any fucking Nancy Drew books before this point, you're like, if the if it says werewolf in the title of it, you're like, but it's not real though, because within this universe, it's that's not real. So, uh, deep deep sigh. So, um, yeah, they've gone to volunteer at the carnival, which, and Nancy's like, they're not just my classmates, they're my friends. And I was like, what's with the verb tense? Are, are y'all saying that y'all ain't, yeah, graduated from high school? Cause it's firmly established that Nancy's graduated from high school during this shit. Like occasionally the ghostwriters will fuck up and be like, oh yeah, she's on a break from school. And I'm like, she ain't in school. She ain't in school. We're not an on-campus, which was a dumpster fire. We ain't in that. We ain't in that. Uh, anyway, 
so they're like, yes, we're besties, and, and we're going to the ice carnival, so they show up, and I th- they're, they're given, like, random shit, so George has to help with the lighting of the ice palace, the... I think they even call it like the, it's the Crystal Palace, which again, sounds like somebody's real cool drag name and also maybe the place where one performs said drag. Um, We're just going to the Crystal Palace for reasons. Um, mm -hmm. Nancy's supposed to not be a tour guide, but to kind of like narc on the tour guides. So she's supposed to go around and check that they're doing what shit they're supposed to be doing and not on their cell phones. And okay, back up. This book was published in 2003, so cell phones were legit a thing, like, but it's very much established that not everybody in the book has one, so, yeah, Nancy does, of course, because, my God, what else is she gonna do? Anyway, um, so, yeah, Nancy's supposed to narc on tour guides and occasionally do other shit. She's also judging the Snow Princess competition, which feels like a thing that, A, if she were in it, she would win, and B, like, it's going to be important to the plot, and spoiler alert, it absolutely is not. Um, um, there's a slight thing about it that's important to the plot. Um, yeah. Um, Bess is gonna be in the heat hut. The heat hut. I just want you to let that, I don't even want you to let that sink in. It's like icy hot, but, but a whole building of it. Um, oh my God. I was, they were like, it's so cold. These are places where you can go to warm up and they have little heat lamps. And I was like, oh, okay. Like a tiny sauna. I don't know. It's fine. Fuck. <laughs> just full of sweat. A sweat lodge. They should have called it a fucking sweat lodge. Um, anyway, so Bess is gonna be helping out at one of those and occasionally doing other shit. I mean, it's it's, it's just like we need you where it's plot convenient, and this is the best way to do it. Okay, so Ned is introduced. Okay, Ned walks up to the girls and he's like, "Hey," and Nancy's like, "Hey, buddy," and because that's the vibe they're giving. Like we're we're together for we're we're beards for each other like it's it's just not giving any sort of legit emotion ned has blonde hair i was like ned does absolutely not have blonde hair what the fuck are you did you do some ketamine before you started writing this i get i get that the ghostwriters are like this is a job i needed a paycheck fuck you but also ned doesn't have blonde hair okay this feels like when you're watching a soap and all of a sudden like somebody strolls on stage and they're like the role of Chad will be played by Chad Michael Murray. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're, you're that dude's step cousin, but also evil. Okay. It feels like that. That is the vibe that it's giving. They could not get Ned. They could not get the usual actor for Ned. So they cast Chad Michael Murray in this role. Alternately, this was my fun crack fic theory, was that McDevlin, who had been established in the Nancy Drew Files by this point, because it's 2003, and I'm, pre- I'm pretending that this is all Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, is that McDevlin just popped up and pretended he was Ned for a book, and everybody was like, what the fuck is this bitch up to now? We'll allow it to see what the fuck you're up to, because all of us are, com- are concerned that you may have snapped and are completely disconnected from reality at this point and believe that you are Ned because you have, you know, uh, we hope that you have not killed him. We hope that he is just an Emerson, like, being a guest lecturer. Um, anyway. So Ned's walking up. He's like, hey, I am, I'm blonde in this book. Also later, it's like, in, on like page 30, it's like, he has green eyes. And I was like, he's McDefflin! <laughs> fuck Goblin has appeared. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? 
open any previous book, any of them, and find a description of Ned. It's in the fucking character Bible. I, I'm not going to pimp slap. I'm not going to pimp slap. Anyway, okay, so... Um, Ned is supposed to, there's the polar plunge, which is that fucking thing where you plunge yourself into an icy river because you're evil. Um, not evil, but just like making bad choices. Um, there's, he's also going to be judging the snow princess competition, which Nancy is as well. I don't, how did they select people for this shit? I don't know. Um, yeah, they're supposed to do that. There's, um, yeah, it's, it's just all, all this shit. And they're like, let's, let's meet up at the sweat lodge. I'm, I'm going to call it the sweat lodge from here on out. Like heat hut is just hard to say. It also sounds like pizza hut had a horrific crossover with Buffalo wild wings. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so yeah, there, and Nancy sees her, um, class. Okay. So it, she was a classmate of Nancy's and she's older than Nancy. So she graduated a, th- a few years ago and Nancy like fucking expositions this. And she's like, Oh, look, it's Brianda who graduated from our high school a few years ago, who I was working on the school newspaper with. Hey girl. Hey. And everyone's like, yeah, why are you acting like you've recently had a head injury or that you think that we have? this is a brand new character for this book. We will never see her again. It's fine. She was like, yes, my parents moved to California as soon as I graduated high school. And I was like, to escape from the mob? Like, this does not seem like a thing that people normally do, but maybe I'm in a place where nobody moves. I don't know. That's fine. So, um, Brianda's cousin. It's her cousin. It doesn't fucking matter. Whose name is Marky with an IE. It's not Marky Mark. Who's going to plant a celebrity tree? Um, or is it? Mm, That would change everything. Anyway, her cousin runs a wildlife preserve specifically for wolves called wild wolf. And it's all smashed together into one word. So every time I read it, I'm like Buffalo wild wings. I don't know why. I don't know why. So we're going to call our nature preserve Buffalo wild wings for wolves. It's it's just real hard to say. There's no good way to say it. Anyway, the Wolf Preserve. Um, she's running it, and she's like, "Oh, Nancy, you should. They they've been having some weird shit go down, and but you should come investigate." And Nancy's like, "Fuck yeah! I mean, let's do this shit." So they go out there. They have like wolf howlings where they like one of the people who runs the preserve will howl, and then the wolves will howl back, and they'll all howl back and forth. And I was like. I I don't know how to feel about any of that. I feel like maybe you're like gaslighting the wolves by telling them that there may be a an evil skeleton. Like, how do you know what you're saying to these wolves? I I don't know. It's fine. Anyway, so they've got a bunch of wolves out there. Um, and and they're doing their wolf howling. And also, Nancy gets to meet some wolf pups, and she's like, they look like little bears crossed with dogs, and they're adorable. And one of them like snuffles in her ear, and she's like, I'm in love. And I was like. Which, again, is more emotion than it was shown toward Ned for this entire book. But that's fine. I mean, who would not adore a wolf puppy? It's fine. She's like, yes, yes to all this. And Bess holds one. And she's like, it's the cutest thing ever. And I was like, okay, I can't I can't deny you this. As long as, like, this is all approved, then it's fine. Anyway, so after the wolf howling, Brianda, who I will call Brie, because Brianda is hard to say. Um, Brie comes over and she's like, Nancy, I need to talk to you. And Nancy's like, of course you do, bitch. I mean, that's what I'm here for. What mystery you got? And Brie is like, two of the alpha wolves have disappeared. Asterisk. As we now know, in this year of our COVID 2022, um... Alpha wolves is not really a thing. It's just a thing that's observed in captivity. Technically, they are in captivity because they're in a nature preserve. Um, they're kept in like six acre 
enclosures, which still sounds like an enclosure. So anyway, so anyway, they're doing the best they can. It's 2003. They're doing the best they can. So the two of the head wolves for one of the packs have disappeared and there's no sign of like a a tear in the fence. They're just gone. They got no clue. They got no fucking clue. Um, so she's, of course, like, this is really bad because her cousin is running the preserve. And so it looks bad that she got the, that the wolves are not there anymore. And of course, people are scared of wolves. And she was like, that's why I made this preserve because people are scared of wolves. And I was like, are, are they? That, I guess maybe some are scared of wolves um, in a general sense. I would be more afraid if you were like, I have cocaine tigers and you don't need to be afraid of them when they're not on cocaine. They're perfectly fine. Anyway, so Nancy's like, I, of course I will take the case. But again, it's like, sure. Uh, again, it's one of those things where Nancy seems wildly optimistic and that's her genre. So it's fine. Oh my God. So the next morning, Nancy wakes up and her phone is ringing and her alarm clock is also going off at the same time. So she smacks her alarm with one hand and picks up the phone with the other, which I was like, I would be unable to multitask at that level. So I appreciate this. Um, and the person on the phone is Bree and Bree's like, turn on your TV. And you're like, Shh, what happened? What, what sort of shenanigans? What sort of shenanigans? Um, so it's an interview with a local reporter named Susie Oliver, who is interviewing a local sheep farmer, which I was like, sure, sure. There's just a lot of sheep farming going on in River Heights in the surrounding area. Um, and he's like, a wolf uh, scared my sheep last night and it was horrible. And, and this preserve needs to be shut down because like they wolves and, um, Marky is like, no, my wolves are great. Fuck you. Like, they would never, they don't, att- they don't approach people. Have you ever even been to my preserve to see what we do out there? And he's like, well, no. And she's like, then you should come out. And it's like, it's real weird. And the reporter's like, both sides have interesting points. And I was like, don't Charlottesville this bitch. No. Anyway. But so yeah, he's like, you know, they were out here at my farm and blah, blah. So Nancy's like, oh, okay. Um, and Brie, who's on the phone with her, she's like, yeah, that was super fucking awkward, right? And Nancy's like, it was indeed. That That's true. So now they have a lead. But when they went out to the farm, like there was no evidence, like they couldn't, their wolves weren't out there. So, so Nancy goes out to the preserve. Um, cause her work schedule is light that day. I was like her community service requirement. <laughs> Anyway, so she goes out to the, um, the preserve, um, and she's like, can I see the enclosure? And they're like, we've, we've driven all around it because of course it was like the night before and they, they shut everything down. So Nancy wasn't able to look around, but, um, so she goes and looks around and it's, there's no obvious break in the fence. There's nothing that would necessarily point to like sabotage or intentionally letting them out. They vanished and it means that somebody like entered the enclosure and took them. Like that's the only way that it could possibly be. So Nancy finds some like grain stuff on the ground. She's not quite sure what it is. So she picks up like some samples of it and puts them in her little, her little bat utility belt. It sounds like she's wearing a fucking fanny pack, which I was like, it's 2003. Like, mm, that was on its way out, but okay. Um, so she's got like little sample bags and she's like, yes, I will drop this off at the local university and they will analyze it for me. And I was like, so I'm enjoying that apparently just like the CIA has set up some fake towns to run some drills in that all of River Heights, all institutions are, exist to serve Nancy and her needs. So she's like, 
I need y'all to analyze this stat. And they're like, fuck yeah, we will, girl. We got your back. We got you, girl. Like, what the fuck? What the... I have... Mm, what institution is like, I just have a person on standby at all times to analyze samples for Nancy Drew. Like, is is it a job? Do you have to get a grant for that? Does Carson actually bankroll this shit? Anyway, so... She's like, I will just drop this off so they can analyze it. Um, because she's not sure if it's maybe something that could have been used to lure the wolves. or And she asked them, like, do, do you guys make, like, special things for the... And they're like, not like that. So she's like, okay. Um, then they go out to the sheep farmers. Oh, and she takes Bess with her. Um, they go out to the sheep farmers thing. And when Nancy and Bess walk up, they're like, hey, we are reporters, and we heard about the wolf thing that happened. And he's like, yes, it was real, real bad. And they're like, yeah, those wolves are dangerous. Can we interview you? And he's like, oh, I see. You are also QAnon. Okay, come on in. So so they're talking, and they're like, oh, it seems super scary, and blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, they've been scaring my sheep. And then Nancy's like, tell me everything about, can you describe them? Do, do you have any video? Like, she gets real hardcore. And he's like, I, I need y'all to leave. And Nancy's like, okay, bitch. So he's, like, watching them from the porch. And Nancy's like, mm, okay. So they drive away far enough, and then they circle back to, like, to park behind some bushes and then they go into his barn because Nancy's like, I just, you know, I'm the, something seems fishy about all this. When they go in the barn, there's no animals in it. I was like, Nancy was like, the animals should be inside. Like there's another barn, but like, why are there no animals? They find a refrigerated, like, like a walk-in fridge, like a restaurant walk-in fridge. And they're like, the, what? And there are barrels. And Nancy's like, I don't, what, what the fuck? Is he's, what is, what is happening here? They leave the door propped open with a rock and then somebody moves the rock. Like they see like a leg that somebody moves the rock and then they're like barred in there. And Bess is like, son of a bitch. Like they're like, we've got our work detail. Our, <laughs> our probation will be canceled if we don't get back. So they're looking around. They like wander around for like half an hour trying to find anything that they can use to get out. And Nancy's like, do you remember when we worked for Uncle Be- Uncle Bud at his restaurant? And Bess is like, how could I forget that horrific summer or something like that? <laughs> and she's like, remember how the walk-in had an external door so that, you know, the deliveries could come straight into it? And Bess is like, yeah. And Nancy's like, all right, I'll be right back. So Nancy goes into the fucking walk-in, like props that door open, and they find an exterior door from the walk-in fridge. So they're able to leave. And Nancy's like, thank God my car's still here. <laughs> Which... Yeah. Also, what the... Okay. Like, logistic reasons. Nancy's like, I guess the, the the sheep farmer locked us in here. Um, why, why would the sheep farmer lock you? I mean, other than to call the cops and be like, I called some intruders. Like, and that didn't happen. So, that's fine. So, um, Nancy and Bess go back to the ice adventure. Like, they have to keep going back there. It's like, here's the thing. Um, and I think, I think that it's that day that, like, they see that there's a fortune teller booth. Like, okay, the the layout of this shit is fucking bonkers, okay? There's, like, food trucks of local restaurants, and that they have, like, heated tents so that people can come eat. They've got, like, they build a fucking ice slide. Like, they build a hill. They fucking, I read it and was like, 
the logistics of this are staggering. Um, they build a fucking hill, like they make a scaffold and everything, and they build a fucking hill with ice so that people can slide down it. It sounds incredibly ridiculously dangerous. Um, they've got the, they've got like snow softball. They've got the, like all the, they've got like cross country skiing. It's, it's just fucking bonkers as shit. And when they're out there, like Nancy's talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, they've hired a new guy to, to be like the general manager to run this. And his name is Poodles McNulty. And somebody's like, what the fuck kind of name is that? And I was like, that's correct. That is the name of somebody's second trophy wife, not the ultimate third one. This is the like practice trophy wife after the first one has been like, fuck you for cheating on me 17 times. Um, Poodles McNulty. He is from Ireland and he has a brogued match, which I am not at all going to attempt. And he um, was a prize fighter. Like again, the Mad Libs of character, like where you're like, pick a nationality and a nickname and a previous job. And sure, sure, all of those things. And he's like, Poodles is a traditional Irish prize fighter name. And I was like, of course it is, bitch. Like, no, no, none of that seems reasonable to me. It probably is true. I didn't even bother looking it up because it was just absolutely bonkers. Like, what? They were like, it has to be a nickname. It has to be right. And he was like, yes, that's my nickname, but it's it's fine. McNulty. McNulty. Just real, real weird. Um, anyway, but he has a reputation for being super flashy. I was like, okay, so he is, and he's supposed to be like pretty well built. I was like, okay, so he's, I don't know, like any random extra in a Guy Ritchie movie. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Jason Statham, maybe Jason Statham wearing like a ridiculous hairpiece. I I think so. I think I can make this work because Jason Statham can do some fun stuff. Anyway, so he's like, yeah, we're going to have the best ice carnival ever. And you're like, yes, Hallmark movie villain. And no, it's fine. He's not. He's not. It's fine. I'm spoiling nothing by telling you that. Um, yeah. But again, he's like, he's into like big flashy shit. So, um, let me think. So yeah, uh, there's a fortune teller booth. It's I think where I was going with that, where it's like just uh, just a series of random shit. And so Nancy's walking around with Bess and Bree, and they're like, "Oh, let's go get our fortunes told." Again, like this is a specific trope for Nancy Drew books. It's real, real weird. Um, Nancy doesn't believe in fortune telling. She doesn't believe in any of that. She thinks that most fortune tellers are usually a ethnic and be probably related to the villain. So like. It feels like maybe she's going to see the fortune teller in case the fortune teller's a villain. Like, in, in any book, that feels like the thing that's happening. So, anyway, they go in the booth, and it's got, like, all these masks and things on the walls. And the person who walks in from the back, like, because Nancy's like, oh, I hear something in the back, because when they walk in, there's somebody there. Um, the person is wrapped completely in a cape, and they're wearing a face mask with blue lips and gloves. And Nancy's like, huh. She's like, I can't even tell what gender this person is. Like, they're that covered up. Like, you can see absolutely none of them. And so the person, like, kind of, like, gestures to read their palms. And so, and then, like, writes notes and hands in the notes. And so they're like, oh, okay, sure. And, like, Bess is, is like, the, it says, like, the the bite is worse than the bark or something like that. And the other one is like, I don't know. But anyway, Nancy's is like, beware, danger. And she's like, huh? Because of course we have to end chapters on 
dumb, dumb cliffhangers. Um, and she's like, oh, I have a, a weird tingling down my spine. Like this, this seems serious. And I was like, no, honey, no, like it's, it's so fucking weird. And a thing that I want to like pause here and talk about is like the presence of spiritualism in Nancy Drew books is really interesting to discuss because like, like I said, she doesn't believe in fortune tellers, but there has been stuff in books where like she's making logical leaps that she absolutely should not be able to make. Like if you're, unless you're looking at this from like a deconstruction perspective, like she, she has to make it for plot reasons. She can't, she can't have made it in any reasonable, like realistic way. Um, there's also like a part where Nancy and her father asked about like, do you believe in like sympathetic vibrations where people can basically like think the same thoughts over a distance? And they're like, of course. And you're like, okay, like, you're leaning full in on, like, 1960s, 70s, like, that whole genre of ESP, which, again, is 100% my fucking jam, but also, like, very strange given everything else. It's, like, we have to believe that there, that miracles can happen because we are miraculous. It's, it's so fucking weird. So, anyway, after she leaves the fortune teller tent, she's like, oh, that, that felt really creepy. Like, I've, I've got a really weird feeling about all this. Um, and it's just real fucking weird. She sees Ned and it's like, I, I don't love any part of this. And this is where they're like, oh, he has green eyes now. And I was like, Chad Michael Murray or fuck goblin. One of those things is happening. He has been recast. Oh my god. Anyway. Uh, the the regular actor was unavailable. Um so that's like I don't I don't care for this. I don't care for my girlfriend being handed weird fortunes and I was like finally a, a hint of emotion. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm starving. Any crumbs, any crumbs I will take. Um anyway. So after that they go to the ice palace Okay, so the Ice Palace is going to be unveiled after the Snow Princess is crowned. So, again, like Nancy, Ned, um, Willie, the local delivery driver, like he owns a local business that does delivery driving, which I was like, that seems super niche. Like, even in 2003, like, everything seemed very much like, oh, everything is UPS or FedEx. And he's like, yes, I have a local delivery service. And you're like, oh, okay, sure post office boxes etc whatever um the reporter that nancy saw on tv that morning who had been interviewing the sheep farmer is also there the one who tried to both sides this um and there oh and the local cop who is detective dashel and i was like everyone sees what you're doing here maybe maybe they thought that eight-year-olds were not familiar with dashel hammett i don't know i don't i don't know i'm as a mystery enthusiast i was like I, I like that you're trying to throw that in there but anyway um so yeah he's he's a local police detective and he's been i was like sure just get a bunch of people who may or may not be involved in everything so nancy like generally talks to the detective about it and he's like yes i'm assigned to a special thing and and I've, I've heard about you so just be careful and Nancy's like of course what else am I here for um also as a side note they the ghostwriter puts in like this very specific description of Nancy making sure that she has plenty of light layers because the conditions are icy and that she puts on a lot of sunscreen and makes sure she has her hat to cover her ears like all this interesting like I have a lot of cold weather knowledge and I need to share it with you. And I was like, I appreciate that about Nancy Drew books. They're like, hello, eight-year-old. You may not know that you need to wear lots of light layers <laughs> and maybe a warm scarf. I'm just saying. Um, so anyway, they judge the Snow Princess competition, which 
they're like everything has pretty much already happened and everybody's wearing white dresses now like it's the evening wear competition and then they they vote and it's like somebody whose name i don't remember who is unimportant to the story so she's crowned and then she gets to like basically be there for the unveiling of the ice palace the crystal palace and when uh drag name so when they pull the cord like it's supposed to have a lot of lights like that's what george has been working on that's part of her group and it's got like all red lights and it says beware danger and nancy's like just like my note said at the fortune teller booth this seems ominous so the other thing that happened is whenever nancy was introduced to willie who the delivery driver um ned's like yeah i've been willie's been hanging out over here and he's deeply into werewolves he is a werewolf enthusiast he has watched all the X-Files episodes related to werewolves. He has concerns. He has written fanfic. Like, he may or may not cosplay. We're not sure. Um, Nancy's like, okay, nut job. Uh, <laughs> because, like, various people during the book are like, do you believe in werewolves? And Nancy's like, absolutely not. What What else you got? Um, just flat out, like, not even like, maybe. And she's like, no. Willie's like, yes, werewolves are very intense creatures i saw one and nancy's like uh-huh like just humor him because oh my god so um he is like people have been seeing werewolves and i think that around this time like they're going on a they they're walking to somewhere for some shit and they they hear something and they look over and there's a fucking werewolf standing on the bridge and it howls and then it stands up and everybody's like oh because at first of course i think that maybe it's one of the escaped wolves and um side note jason statum uh, because that's so much easier to say than Poodles McNulty. My God, like my my entire body slows down when I have to process that. Jason Statham is like, yes, there's werewolves. Wow, that, that was pretty weird. Also, um, Jason Statham is not here for this scary red lighting. On the, he's like, fix this immediately. Like I, I understand that this was a cute prank, but fix this immediately. And everyone's like, no, none of us did this. And of course, Nancy and Ned and her friends are like, well, it it was on your little thing. So, and Nancy and Ned are talking about it after, because again, like all of Nancy's friends serve as sounding boards, especially in these books. Um, and so he's like, okay, so the, the message was exactly the same. Nancy's like, yeah, so that wasn't the fortune teller. So that means that somebody went in there and handed me that. And Ned's like, that, why? Like, I've... I don't understand the motive. And Nancy's like, I don't either. But like the, the one thing I can tell you is that's, and it's like, is it a warning about you looking for the wolves? Is it a, what, what is it about? Nancy's like, I don't know. All I can tell you is that I think, um, someone saw that, like heard us talking about going over to the fortune teller booth. They seized the opportunity to go in there and hand me that warning. And then the light, and that has to be related. It has to be because it was exactly the same words in the same order. Like it has to be. But also, that would have taken a lot of planning. Um, Somebody would have had to go in there and, like, redo some shit. So Nancy's like, I think that the that prank, the red lights, were already in place when somebody handed me that. And it was just, like, a good opportunity to do that. And that's like, okay, um, that all makes sense. She's like, it doesn't, but I'm sure. It just feels really like opportunistic and weird when they f- track down the actual fortune teller who looks like a regular person who just is wearing a scarf and is like hey like just kind of like your grandma but doing some tea read tea leaf reading um they walk in and they're like so 
uh, there was a, we saw you this morning. She's like, you absolutely did not. I was called away. And Nancy's like, oh, uh, what, what called you away? And she's like, oh, well, somebody ran in and said that my house was on fire. And so I had to go check it out. And it seemed it was a false alarm. And Nancy's like, yeah, that tracks. That all tracks. Okay. So do you have a face mask in here with blue lips? And she's like, yeah, it's missing. Huh? And Nancy's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Isn't it? Okay. So in the meantime, on the Wolf Preserve, um, Nancy goes back and finds out that the, like, he's not the co-director. He's, like, just under the director. He's, like, deeply involved in everything going on there. He, like, he's been having fights with the director. He he thinks that he should have gotten the position. He's British and hot, and he thinks he should have gotten the position because he is British and hot, and he is, like, clashing with the actual director, who is Bree's cousin. And so, like... Nancy's like, oh, that feels kind of motivy. Um, that feels like maybe he wants to like show that she's incompetent, and so therefore he steals the wolves to kind of demonstrate that he would do a better job. And it even says on there that like if the current director is like put out of commission for some reason, that he would automatically get the interim role, and that he would be able to be hired for the position, like no questions asked or some shit. It, it's it's real fishy for an employment contract, is what I'm trying to say. It sounds kind of mobby. Um, but anyway, so he's been like filing a series of petty complaints. Like she looked at me wrong and her socks were not regulation, just a bunch of petty shit. And he's kept copies. And also every single one of them, she has responded to the, the director has responded to with like, no. And here's video proof, like all sorts of like, she's like, well, and right after that, like they see him and he's like, I've had enough of your bullshit. And he just flounces out. And Nancy's like, Okay. Uh, okay. That, that was super dramatic. I'm loving, I'm loving how completely messy all this is. But anyway, so the director's like, yeah. And she's like actually crying a little bit. She's like, I thought that we'd gotten past this rivalry between us, but I guess we hadn't. And I was like, what? There seemed to be a bit of chemistry between the two of you. The very, very slight amount that is allowed in these books. So maybe, mm, maybe some spurning, maybe, maybe some unrequited. I don't know. Anyway, so she's like, yeah, I thought we were past that. And Nancy's like, is it possible that he would? And she's like, no, he would never have stolen the wolves. No, he wouldn't do that. And Nancy's like, okay, okay. So Nancy had the um, grain sample analyzed. And when it came back, it came back as like proprietary sheep feed, actually. Um, so she's like, okay, so that points back to the sheep farmer because Bess looked up the sheep farmer and she, okay, this was the most hilarious part to me. The ghostwriter has Bess be like the tech guru of the group. And I was like, that does not track, but it's fine. Like if you wanted to say, Bess, I need you to find the Balenciaga from 1999. She would be like, I am on it. Like I get that. I completely would buy that. But if she, Nancy's like, I need you to look up the sheep farmer. Bess is like, okay, I have several places I can check. Nancy's like, bring your laptop. And I was like, 2003, yes, laptops. I'm picturing, like, the L. Woods, like, candy-colored MacBook. iBook. It would have been an iBook at that point. Um, but, like, Bess is like, yes, I've got my laptop, and I can look at things up. And I was like, so she's got an internal modem. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm just dying. Um, no, she could have had, she could have had Wi-Fi. Mm-mm, 2003. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway. So, um, she looks him up. She finds out that he like, he sells his product. Like he, he ships out sheep feed. Like that's, that's like his thing. And he's, he's really proud of it. And so it kind of makes sense. He'd be really protective of his sheep. 
people, sheep people, listen to me. Um, anyway, um, so also maybe it would be like a publicity stunt for him to be like Nancy's feeling a lot of, she's getting a lot of publicity stunt vibe because it feels like Jason Statham would because he says like we're not afraid of wolves it's it's gonna be great and and it's like a lot of people have been commenting on it and so nancy's like okay so it would he actually go that far would he steal wolves from a local preserve so that people are like oh no are there wolves near the ice carnival like it it just feels really forced but okay um She's like, I don't know. It's it's possible. Maybe maybe that's how his mind works. And again, they saw a fucking like werewolf uh, with all with seventeen sets of air quotes. So it's like, oh, and people are gonna go back and tell their friends about it, and they're gonna come out because it's gonna be like some sort of weird like Halloween crossover. Like it's just it's just all fucking bonkers. Um, so yeah. Um, so there's that. There's who has motive to do this, and it could be him um, that he stole the wolves and everything because somehow it's like some sort of publicity stunt that the sheep farmer maybe because he publicity stunt um it just yeah it's it's all really fucking weird and Nancy's like but where are they because I can't find them anywhere um let me think so there's that there's Ned does the fucking polar plunge I'm just gonna throw it in here because the book does that the book just throws it in there randomly he stays in the water for 30 seconds I was like okay okay book after this point is when Nancy needs to approach him lovingly with a large towel and be like, you need to get your body heat back and you need to do that by us going to the sweat lodge and maybe getting naked. Like, but again, it's not that kind of book. It, it could have been, it could have, oh my God, it could have been. If I wrote a missing scene for this book, like the tone would be so incredibly jarring, but I mean, it's fine. Like suddenly things got dark. <laughs> Because some fucking dark shit happens in this book, and they just kind of hand wave it. Um, God. Um, let's see. Let me think what happens next. I don't know. I don't know. Um, the wolf thing just doesn't, like, they don't make a lot of progress on it. Nancy's like, it could be him, but he, like, the weird thing is, like, British flouncy dude um, immediately, like, leaves and goes to California. Like, within the book, okay? And then he calls her, and he's like, can I get a recommendation? And I was like, okay, you are a petty bitch. And if I were to give a recommendation, it would be like, he is a petty bitch. Like, anyway, so... She was like, I, I thought he was cool and, and well-respected, the director. She was like, hey, I, I thought we could work things out. I was like, you're pregnant with his child. Like, just just own that. It's fine. And also, like, when Nancy's there talking to the cousin about it, she's like, you have a cuckoo clock with a wolf on top of it. And she's like, yeah, the board of directors thought that that would be a cute thing for us to have. This is the weird thing. And I did not look this up because a part of me is like, I, what? But anyway, so what... What she tells Nancy is that actually they they don't harvest the fur, but it's one of those things where, like, the wolves will apparently lose their coats, like, you know, shedding naturally during seasons. They collect the hair and turn it into items. Like, they turn it into clothing and, like, it, I was like, I, I kind of get it in that, like, of course, like, pelts and fur have, like, naturally been used, and of course, they don't harvest it, they don't actually, like, take it from the animals, and that's one of the things that they're concerned about in the book, is, like, have, have they basically been poached? Like, did somebody steal them to, like, take their fur or something, like, to kill them? 
they never say kill because it's not that kind of book but they very much imply that like that could be a possible motive because of course they can't find any evidence of the wolves um but anyway nancy finds some when um dipshit sheep farmer comes to the ice har ice palace ice harvest festival <laughs> ice hallmark cinematic movie um Nancy goes over to his truck to inspect it and she finds some wolf fur that's like kind of tucked up into like a wheel well or something and she finds some more of the same grain mixture that she had found at the scene of the escape slash kidnap wolf napping. So she collects samples of that and then dude confronts her and is like I saw you poking around my truck and she's like no it wasn't. <laughs> I love that she like flat out denies it when he's like I saw it with my own two eyes and she's like no you didn't fucking didn't you fucking didn't. Anyway Nancy has a cell phone and she's been talking to the um, detective because like she's been trying to turn over evidence to him as she gets it. And he's given her her phone, his phone number. And Nancy saved it as a fucking preset in her phone. She's like, you will be number nine. I was like, because the rest of y'all are like the UN and also Ned, Bess and George and her father and Hannah and, and then a cop that she met that might be important. So she actually like speed dials him. She has to feel it with her fingers because again, it's fucking 2000 three this is when you could still feel the fucking keypad with your fingers so she like dials him and is like letting the, the tape run she's like hello sheep farmer who is verbally assaulting me behind the frozen fountain like tell me more about your evil plans anyway <laughs> so the detective comes up and he's like so you've been talking shit at mystery then and he's like she was looking at my truck and he's like it's a free country people can look at trucks can can you tell me more about your alibi um anyway because the other thing that happens is okay as you know you're like of course i don't um there are ice sculptures at this thing and they also have like an ice sculpture carving competition and willie the delivery driver is like places first and is like his family going back three generations is always play first or some shit this thing is apparently like 30 years old this ice festival um yeah and also what's the other weird shit like they say that, like, two years ago, like, they spent a lot of money on something that didn't work. Like, I think that they said, like, of course, it depends a lot on the weather. And if you have bad weather for it, like, it's just not going to work. So, apparently, they spent a lot of money, like, two years ago on some shit. And the previous year, like, somebody embezzled, like, half the money and ran. Like, it's, I was like, again, River Heights is a hotbed of criminal activity slash just, like, the Nancy Drew training ground. Like, it is her CIA training facility where it's just, like, a bunch of random crimes that she's able to track down. I love it. She lives in her own pocket universe. It's nice. Um, anyway, so they're like, who knows what this dipshit's gonna do? Like, who who hired him? His name is Poodles, for God's sake. Like, Jason stayed and just running around in a, in a ridiculous hairpiece. Maybe with some sort of, like, trucker Sherpa line jacket. Um, anyway. So, the other thing that happens that's really fucking weird is that, like, Nancy and, I think it's Bree, and I think that they're supposed to meet up with their friends after, are at the top of the ice slide, which as previously established, sounds like one of the most fucking dangerous things I've ever heard of. When all of a sudden, like, a fucking avalanche seems to take it out. The book description is not clear enough for me to get an idea of what the fuck the ghostwriter thinks is going on here. It's just like, and then avalanche, and they have to, like, dig people out of the fucking snow for, like, two hours. Like, it's a fucking mess. Like, people go to the hospital with, like, broken limbs and sprains and shit. And, it's just real, real bad. Like, Ned comes over to help to end everything, and he's like, are you okay? And he's just like, yeah, I'm fine. Let's just keep digging people out. Um, Like, the cop comes over, 
it, it looks like a crime scene because they're like, we don't know what exactly happened. They have to come over and inspect it. Because again, it's like a fucking scaffold full of like pallets and shit that they nailed together. It's It sounds absolutely fucking bonkers. Um, when Nancy's talking to Ned, he's like, yeah, they're going to have to get like fucking earth movers in here to, to fix this shit. Like, it's just real, real bad. So Nancy and her friends go over to inspect it. Like, to see if there's any obvious signs of sabotage or damage that would explain, like, why the fuck it happened. And she goes under there with Ned and George. And Ned and George, like, get ahead of Nancy. And she's like, yeah, we need to get out of here because this feels extremely unstable. But she's on her way out and she's separated from them. And again, I cannot picture this. It's really, really hard for me to imagine it. They say that it's, like, two stories high. Like, just... Abs like the most dangerous it's it's like a jackass fucking prank or some shit. Anyway, so she sees a shadow above her and then all of a sudden she's like fucking buried in like six feet of snow. And she she does the thing because uh, when I was when I listened to you wrong about and they were talking about the love pass incident and I was like, Oh my god, everything is creepy. Um anyway, so she like gets buried in the snowfall. She, like, tries to get to the top of the snowfall. She takes a breath and inhales snow. Like, she does all the things that you would expect somebody to do if they're panicked. And then she's like, okay, I have to calm down. I have to just get out of here. So she manages to move around enough to get herself out to scream for help. Like, she can't get out. And then um, Ned and George run back because, of course, they weren't very far and they couldn't find her. So they're able to dig her out. And again, like, Nancy's like, yeah, that, that was fucked up. Um... Again, I was like, go to the sweat lodge. Please just, I don't know, do some making out. Anyway, so Ned's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go home and change clothes. And I was like, again, um, Carson's not home. Hannah ain't going to narc on y'all. Go get down. Just take a hot shower together and, and see what plays out. I don't know. Just, it's fine. Chad Michael Murray. Um, anyway, so Nancy goes home, gets changed, comes back. Um, she's supposed to do the cross-country skiing competition. And the fucked up thing is when they get back, like, Ned's like, okay, y'all y'all are doing the, the competition, right? And Nancy and George are like, yeah. And Ned's like, one of y'all better win. And then he, like, leaves. And I was like, your girlfriend got buried in a fucking snow thing. And you're like, go win that race, girl. Like, not even a kiss for luck. There, there was no kissing in this book. Just, this is the opposite of The Princess Bride. There was no kiss. <laughs> Oh, God. Anyway, so so Nancy and George compete in the cross-country skiing competition. Um, George wins, as always. Like, that. that's her jam, so it's fine. And then she's, George is like, Nancy, there's a, like, a secret, not secret, but like a, a more direct way for them to cross-country ski back to their cars. And it's like 11 o'clock at night. It was a, like a really fucking long competition. It was like an hour and a half. And Nancy was like, this is cool. Like, she's just enjoying herself. Like, she's not really pushing herself that hard. She's just like, I'm, I'm just here for vibes. It's fine. Um, but anyway, they're going back, and um, they, they're in a clearing when all of a sudden they hear a wolf howl, and they stop. And, like, the wolf, the werewolf, like, barrels out of the trees, runs into George, and takes off. And Nancy's like, are you okay? And George, like, is like, yeah, I think I, I, think I got hurt. Like, my arm feels like it bent in a strange way. So Nancy immediately like gets George to like gets her back on her skis, bundles her up, gets calls an ambulance, calls the cops. They come out and get George, take her to the hospital. They say she's just sprained. It's it's okay, but it's just fucking weird. And also she's got scratch marks on her back from the werewolf. 
And everybody's like, you saw the werewolf. And Nancy's like, uh, again, unconvinced that there is such a thing as a werewolf. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm just going to say this probably a human being wearing an outfit. I'm just, just going to say it because none of the, none of the rest of you will. Okay, so the next fucking thing to happen in this book is that the fucking wolf puppies get kidnapped. Puppy napped, wolf napped. Um, like, Brie calls Nancy and she's like in tears and Nancy's like, are you okay? And she's like, the wolf puppies. And Nancy's like, no, not the wolf puppies. Because she's like remembering when she had a little wolf puppy snuffling in her ear. And she was like, this was the best day ever. How fucking dare they? How dare? So, Nancy's like, we got to find these fuckers. I don't know who's doing this, but we got to find these fuckers. So, um, the other weird thing that happens is they, the ice, the crystal palace of ice is finally like they have redone the lighting and everything and they're ready for the re unveiling. So they go up there for that. And when they pull the cord, like the, the lighting is fine. Like it's back to where it was supposed to be. Everybody's like, Ooh. And then all of a sudden they hear a werewolf howl and there's a werewolf standing on top of the crystal palace. And Nancy looks at Nan, she's like, let's get them. So they go around to the back to see if they can spot any, like, she was like, they got up there somehow. And she finds a fucking ladder, and she's like, Ned, and he's like, I got it. And he grabs the ladder and takes it away. And so the werewolf comes over and is, like, trying to find the ladder and is like, uh-oh. Like, seems to make a very human sound. And um, Nancy's like, yeah. And so the werewolf, like, fucking seems to jump at Nancy, but he's actually aiming for a snowbank behind her. Um, so the cop comes around and like the other security people, like apparently they're away from the crowd enough that nobody can see what else is going on, I guess. But anyway, so Ned's like, uh, the werewolf is like, don't be afraid. And Ned's like, I'm not afraid. I just don't like it when werewolves, people dressed as werewolves come after my girlfriend. And I was like, finally, again, a hint, a glimmer of emotion from Chad Michael Murray. Um, So the werewolf was like, it was all like a pride. It was a publicity stunt. And Nancy's like, we know that you're not actually like, I'm okay. Fine. It's fine. Um, so yeah, Jason Statham hired the werewolf to come like, you know, be a publicity stunt. Like that was, that was the whole thing. So when they saw him on the bridge, um, and when they saw him on top of the Crystal Palace, like, that was all planned. That was, like, I guess, I would say that he wanted to go viral on social media, but that wasn't really, like, a, th- not, not nearly as thing, like, on MySpace. Um, anyway. Again, people wouldn't have had, like, cell phone cameras. Anyway, so he's like, yeah, it was, and he was, and then um, Jason Statham comes around, and he's like, um, he's, the world's like, I'm, I'm sorry I had to tell him, and he's like, it's okay, um, you know, you had to do what you had to do. He says, oh, I'm really sorry that I ran into your friend. So he was the one who ran into George and, like, fucking decked her and, like, hurt her. And he's like, I'll pay for her medical bills. And Jason Statham, to his tiny, tiny credit, is like, well, I mean, it's all my fault, so I'll, I'll handle that. Like, that that was on me. Because, okay, here's the thing. The werewolf is like, yeah, I, um, I was making an appearance at a house party and, like, I think he says, like, his car wouldn't start or some shit, so he decided to just walk home, but he was still dressed as a werewolf, and, and like, he saw George and tried to howl and scare her away, but she didn't, uh, uh, anyway, it, it was all super fishy. I was like, so what you're saying is this poor sweet furry who got hired to do a party, like, I've got a lot of follow-up questions, because, again, who, who fucking hires a, anyway, anyway, um, apparently, though, my favorite part of all this is that apparently he got the werewolf costume from the River Heights costume provider, 
which is called like patches or some shit. Like seriously. Um, anyway, so yeah, he just, he gets hired for various events where people want werewolves. And I was like, again, none of this is hanging together in any sort of way. This is, you're giving Scooby-Doo is, is what you're doing. It's fine though. It's fine. Um, so anyway, so he apologizes. That solves that part of the mystery. Like that, that part was a publicity stunt, but they don't know anything about that whole danger warning thing that was beware danger thing in the Crystal Palace. They don't, they don't know anything about that. He's like, no, I wouldn't have done that. Like the, the werewolf thing that was like, it's a bit dangerous, but not really because it's a werewolf and you know, it's not real. So Nancy's like, okay. So she goes to bed that night. She's like, okay, nothing is making sense. I just need to think about this differently. So she calls all of her friends over the next morning. She's like, okay, I think, I think I've got this because she's heard a few like little snatches of clues that she's like, okay. Um, whenever she's talking to Willie about something, he's, he mentions that he worked in a zoo for a little while when he was trying to get money to, to make his delivery service as one of his jobs that he had. And she was like, okay, um, Bess, can you look that up? And she's like, on it. So she finds out that he did indeed work for a zoo. Um, and I think that he was let go for bad behavior or some shit. Um, as one does. So... Nancy has all the clues that she needs, and so she's, she gets Ned to call Willie, which is one of the more hilarious things in this book, because Ned, like, puts him on speaker, and he's like, hey, Willie, I just um, wanted to talk to you because my girlfriend thinks that you are behind the the things at the park and also that maybe you stole those wolves and I, I told her that you wouldn't do that like you were a good guy but and I think that she's just gotten really zealous about it so um I'm just you know from bro to bro just making sure that you're aware of this so maybe you want to um find out what evidence she has so that you can like talk her down or maybe give her a good alibi I don't know because I know that you would never do this and he's like you know I would never do this so Ned's like, okay, well, let me talk to you about what she's found, and I'll meet you at blah, blah. Um, Nancy, Nancy, BT Dubs, um, bought a fishing shack that is just, like, right there at the pond near the ice festival, and she's fixing it up for her dad as a present, and she's going to be there by herself. <laughs> and Willie's like... That's good to know. Thanks. And they hang up the phone and they're like, okay, let's do this. So, okay. Okay. I, I need you to picture this. Close your eyes. Okay. Chad Michael Murray, who was playing Ned for this soap opera, um, gets the werewolf costume, which the furry has had thoroughly cleaned and returned to. I was like, so what you're saying is this is the one he wears for his professional jobs, but the one that he wears for his um, extracurriculars, he keeps at home. Um the werewolf costume has been returned to Patches. So they go rent it. Chad Michael Murray puts it on. Um, hides in the corner of the fishing shack, which, no, of course, Nancy did not purchase it for her father. Like, none of that makes sense. It's it's just a fucking shack. There's no floor. It's got, like, so that you can cut off a hole in the ice for ice fishing, but that hole has been filled in. Like, it's just, it's just pointless. There's, of course, some oily rags, because if you have a shack, you must also have some oily rags, and some random fast food wrappers, because, I guess, squatters or homeless people, I don't know. Um, so Nancy goes out there with Bess, I think, and so they're like, yes, we're gonna pretend to fix something, anyway, so Willie comes in, and he's like, hello, Nancy, and Nancy's like, hi, I'm just fixing up this fishing shack for my dad, and he's like, yeah, you, you know too much. And Nancy's like, tell me, tell me why you made these horrible choices. And he's like, well, 
I have, she's like, where are the wolves? Okay, so here's the good and bad news. Um, the, you remember how he has a shipping service? Yeah, he, um, stole the, the grown-up wolves and shipped them to a, to a, a purchaser. Nancy was like, and you don't even know what the fuck they're gonna do with those wolves. And he's like, and I don't fucking care. So, there's that. I just wanted to, they went for a nice price. Um, Nancy's like, where are they now? And he's like, I'm, they're in transit. Um, they're probably in the Midwest or like out, I think he says out West at this point. So I guess they were going to get on a fucking barge or some shit. Anyway, the puppies though are still in his basement. I guess he was still trying to find buyers. Anyway, so yeah, that was this whole thing. He planted the wolf fur and he planted the feed so that the sheep farmer would be implicated because the sheep farmer was a dick and so he was a good suspect. Um, he put the red lights. Okay. The, when I read this, I, I just burst out laughing. Willie was like, yes, I was sabotaging the ice festival as a distraction from my poaching. And I was like, what? None of this makes sense. None. No, no, none of this makes sense. None of it. Um, God, like what, what the fuck? What the little fuck? He admits to Nancy that he disguised himself as the fortune teller to give her the warning because Nancy was like, and you were warning me off the case. And he was like, well, I saw that you were talking to the chick who was cousins with the person who owns the nature preserve. And I was like, "Mm, good, good guess that she's probably been hired to look into this. So like, uh, hey, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And I was like, you're making a series of weird choices. Also, he's the one who sabotaged the fucking ice slide. And like, because again, he's handy with a chainsaw. And he was like, that's all it took was me just band sawing through some shit. So yeah, just, he injured a bunch of people, just vibes, just, just on vibes. Um, yeah, you're giving potential serial killer. Um, he fucking grabs Bess and pulls out a fucking ice pick and holds it to her side and is like, okay, you're coming with me. And Nancy's like, uh, I think that maybe the werewolf is hiding in here. <laughs> like super casual. She's like, I can't be bothered. Chad Michael Murray pops out in his werewolf costume. Willie, of course, like flips out because Willie apparently is like kind of has a werewolf phobia, which interesting choices that you're making out. Um, so he like drops the thing, Chad Michael Murray tackles him, they, they get him into custody, the, the cops out there, everybody's out there, everybody's ready. Um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, uh, again, it's just such a fucking bonkers book. Um, at the end of it, um, Jason Statham has Nancy come to the stage and he's like, Nancy saved the ice festival and everybody's clapping. And he's like, yes, I'm going to give you all gift certificates to the store in town that does ski merchandise. And they're like, fuck yeah, this is the best. And then, um, the cousin who runs the nature preserve is like, Nancy, I have a gift for you. And she opens it and it's a wolf hair sweater. I recoiled. Um, (laughs) Nancy was like, oh, this is the best day ever. And it's just... Like, he's like, all of Nancy's friends were involved with it. Like, they all get gift certificates. It's just so fucking weird. It's just like, thank you for your service. Please, please go get some new ski merch. Like, branded. It's fine. Like, maybe with a tiny werewolf as a reminder of this activity. It's just so fucking bonkers. And also, did they complete their public service requirements? Are they going to come off probation? We don't know. Like, hopefully. I, I guess that if you save some people's wolves that... 
and they recovered the wolf puppies. It's okay. I know that you were deeply concerned about that. They recovered them. It's fine. They found them in the basement. Um, they were considered evidence, but they were allowed to be taken back to the nature preserve. And you're like, sure. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah. What have we learned? Absolutely nothing. Oh my God, no. Okay, what what did we actually learn? The fun thing is that like at after the wolf, I think it's right after the wolf puppies have gone missing, but maybe it's like right before that. Nancy goes out to the preserve to check things out, but they're in the middle of like a snowstorm ish kind of kind of snowstorming. Although she does say that like at that point is the snow is practically horizontal. It's just being blown so hard. Um. So she decides to go out and inspect the enclosure because all the wolves in that pack have been moved to a different enclosure and she wants to just check it out and see if there's any more clues that she can find. And when they go into the enclosure, she and Bree go into the enclosure, um, a wolf is there and Nancy sees him and she's like, and again, the visibility is almost zero. So the fact that she's seeing the wolf means the wolf is really close to her. And so they look at each other and Nancy's like, okay, remember, don't look them directly in the eyes. Don't do anything to confront them. Do not turn your back. And she's like, don't, don't yell at them. Don't talk to them like they're a dog. So she's like, okay, Brie, we are going to back away slowly. And they do. She's like, just, just look at a point near the wolf, not at the wolf. Like, so again, seems, uh, I feel like it's solid advice. I'm not really sure, but it, it feels, feels like advice. Um, and then after that, when they go, they're trying to head back to town. And again, the conditions are really bad. Like Nancy's car, at the Mustang, which I do love that the one thing that these books took from the files is the Mustang. It's like Nancy can drive a super hot sports car. None of the rest of this shit. Chad Michael Murray again. Um, so they're in the car and Nancy hits a patch of ice and can't, can't control the car to keep it on the road. So they actually like go partially off the road. Like the front left part of her car goes, just goes into a snowbank. Um, so they're trying to dig it out. And that's when Willie comes up behind them and is like, oh, do you need any help? And, um, and they go into like a graphic description of everything that Willie does to get them out of the snowbank. Like... <laughs> He gets his chains out and he gets a, a blanket for padding so that it doesn't hurt the car. And he has rubberized mats that he can use to put behind the wheels. And, like all this stuff. Whereas like the files would be like, and he pulled her car out of the snowbank. Like just immediately. Although hilariously for the original mystery stories, it would have been like, and then Ned just single-handedly just pulled her car out of the snowbank because he is superhuman. Um, yeah. So, and I think that's the part where he tells... Nancy that he worked with the zoo for a while and that's when she puts all that together and she's like okay so he's comfortable with animals probably has some uh, knowledge of how to sedate them um yeah yeah this this is all coming together like this was his grand plan was just to like poach animals and that's why he it's it's just yeah on closer scrutiny the level of detail that one would expect from a scooby-doo villain so there's there's that but also afraid of werewolves. Also afraid of werewolves. I mean, I do love that, like, Ned's playing on the whole toxic masculinity thing to be like, hey, my girlfriend seems to be kind of fixated on you and the fact that you may be a person who would be involved in this. Like, the hilarious thing is that, like, Nancy has to be enough of a threat to be taken seriously, but not so much of a threat that they're going to immediately, like, suspect her of, like, being able to take them down like she has to be just low-key enough that 
that any villain is like, I can deal with this myself and not, you know, be like, oh, God, I got to kill her immediately. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, we've, we've learned various things about wolves, about being buried in snowbanks, about how to dress appropriately for snow and to remember that you do indeed need your sunscreen, even in the winter. Um, also sweat lodge. <laughs> I love that Bess is the one working in the sweat lodge and she's like, I'll just look up some internet stuff on my break. And I was like, how, 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 how are you going to have internet? This is on like the banks of the Muskoka river, which again is supposed to be a river that travels between, uh, Mapleton and river Heights. This is the river that like, you know, that if Nancy and Ed want to go parking side note, I thought about this earlier. Um, the Kara Plunk and Powell, um, like the book that she wrote about Nancy Drew and like there was a part about like all the insurance claims that Nancy has made for her car and they were talking about how like there was one where she ran out of gas they were like we feel like this is a variation on the ran out of gas story because she was with her boyfriend and she had removed her shoes and I was like when I read this at the tender young age of 10 I was like what is what are they talking about and I was like I love that you're trying to allege that they were banging in that car and and that explains why the car was on the side of the road um but again, you don't have that in, in this book. And again, there were multiple times in here where as a person who has and will continue to write fanfic based on the fact that Nancy and Ned are cold and maybe need to share some body heat in a sweat lodge. Um, like there's Ned, like after she gets buried in the snowbank, Ned's like, you okay? And she's like, yep. And he's like, okay, good. I've, I've got to go do some shit. And like, oh my God files ned would not this is because chad michael murray is being the stand-in i, I want to blame it on that where it's like you're not behaving as ned would you're not behaving as ned should behave where it's like you need to like even if this person were like platonic you would still show some level of, are you sure you don't need to go to the hospital like are you absolutely sure and like oh my god anyway anyway so yeah i I guess, and again, there's absolutely no allusion to Christmas. I mean, the fact that Ned is home, but again, like in this book, I don't even know if, I don't think it refers to Emerson College. I don't think it does. So it's like, Ned's just a a guy who she knows, who looks like Chad Michael Murray. Um, Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I do love the concept of River Heights as just like a training ground for Nancy, where it's like, yes, we just give her little mysteries to solve so that she doesn't get in trouble. Like... (laughs) This is what I, these are my goals for a retirement home. I want them to be like, okay, occasionally this podcast host feels that she is Nancy Drew. And so we're going to make her some tiny mysteries. It's going to be kind of like Shutter Island, but without all the creeping horror. Um, And we're just going to give her some stuff so that she stays safe. Like we're going to, we're going to keep her to areas where she's not going to be attacked by wild animals. It's going to be fine. We're going to leave some little clues. She's going to enjoy herself and it's going to be nice for her. Like, you're giving that vibe, y'all, especially when she's like, I need you to analyze this at the the lab, the, the nearby lab. And the cop who was like, yes, speed dial me at any time. I am here basically. And when he's like, how dare, how dare you rough up Miss Drew behind this frozen fountain to the sheep farmer? And you're like, interesting that like Nancy's got her own personal security force in the form of the police force which again I mean if I wanted to this would be a really interesting social commentary on the fact that like Nancy based on her privilege and her social standing and her class can use the cops as her personal 
like security basically to be like, you need to keep me safe. And I mean, if we want to talk about the politics of 2003 and we want to talk about the like the whole concept of like conservation and how you interact with animals. And again, I feel like at the time I would have read this and gone, yeah, like this, this feels like the natural thing for me. It's an interesting throwback to the original stories to be like Nancy is standing up on behalf of those who can't you know help themselves basically where she's like these wolves you know don't deserve to be hunted down and and killed like they deserve to be in their habitat and then these wolf puppies are enormously cute and all this stuff so yeah it's yeah it it feels very well-meaning but it's also like it's interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think that any people of color are depicted. I, it's, uh, again, and whole, Jason Statham, the whole, like, well, I mean, I, it was a publicity stunt, like, the whole time. Like, and I'll cover your medical bills for the fact that a werewolf ran into you while you were cross-country skiing. Like, again, the the utter absurdity of every, every part of that sentence. Every part of it. Um, yeah. And then Nancy being like, yeah, I remember the last time I cross country skied. That that was pretty intense. And I'm like, when was it? Because again, you know, you don't know between books what Nancy remembers because you don't know what version of Nancy you're interacting with. It's kind of interesting. It's like she has respawned and she has refashioned herself based on the memories that the ghostwriter has. So therefore, there's stuff that's inaccessible to her. There's lessons that she's learned in the past that are now forgotten. There's she is being reconstituted at any point, and she she is every woman. She has to be. That's fun. Okay. So I think for next week, again, I'm going to stick to a digest because I don't want to break in line for the main series that I'm reading. There there are specific files that are based at Christmas, but I think that I'm going to just cover them as I hit them. And if magically they end up happening at the same time that it's actually happening, then good for us. But anyway, so I think next week I'm going to do the Nutcracker Ballet Mystery because that's another digest book. So I'm going to be irritated that Nancy and Ned are not making out at every possible turn. Um, again, as I was in this book where there were so many opportunities and I really wanted Ned to be like, I need to help her get her circulation back. Please, to the sweat lodge! To the sweat lodge! Um, uh, oh, these little nerds. Oh, these little nerds. Also, the book is like, and then they had a, a delicious meal of smoked tacos and burritos. And you're like, of course they did. Of course. Like, and pizza. It's it's really fun for them. They're just making a lot of good choices. Also, a latte. Like, Nancy's like, hello, delicious chocolate mocha things. And yeah, so she's in high school and drinking a lot of coffee. Um, As one does. Working off that that public service, working off all that, all that stuff that she needs to stay on probation. Just, just working through it, hon. Okay. So yeah, Nutcracker Ballet Mystery. Um, there are a few other ones that are based at Christmas that are in the digest, but I think that I don't have them, but I do know that I have that one. And yeah, I think that there's one more that maybe, but anyway, so I think for next week we'll do that one. So anyway, Stay sleuthy, my Christmas buds, slash whatever holiday you are currently celebrating or actively trying to avoid by listening to a dumb podcast about a werewolf in a winter wonderland. Oh my, and there's even a bad pun to end it where there was like, we were going to have a howling good time. And I was like, I think that all of you need to be pimp slapped. Like, whoever let this happen, whoever let Chad Michael Murray take over, like, making a lot of choices. And I've got a lot of questions about all of them. All of them. Also, that poor little werewolf furry who all he was trying to do was just make some extra cash on the holidays. 
Yes. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Be the werewolf furry who needs to make some extra cash over the holidays for all for everyone in your life. Just, you know, if, if that's what they need to do is to unmask you as a werewolf so that they can feel good about themselves, then, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Stay sleuthy, my friends.